Hey there, you have found another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are going to talk about systems and sales for speakers. And we are going to welcome to the show Taylor Payne from SpeakerFlow. So, Taylor, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Tom. It's great to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you. So when we think about when we think about systems and sales, what are two tips that you have for speakers on how to be more successful? The first one is to adopt technology, and the second one is to embrace rejection. Ooh. Adopt technology and embrace rejection. Well, this is going to be fun to unpack. So for those of you who don't know Taylor Payne, he helps experts build better businesses. He helps them sell more, serve better, and save time. He is the CEO of a company called SpeakerFlow, and uh, we're gonna find out a little bit about what they teach their clients because we're gonna unpack those two tips. So Taylor, let's start off with the first one. Adopt technology. So here's the thing. Some people have been speaking for 10, 20, 30 years. Their technology might be a yellow pad or an Excel spreadsheet. Why do they need to go with some fancy new tools. It's been working all along. Sure. I really think the answer is for those where it hasn't been working. Um, Because what we tend to find is eventually what does work or what has been working, that eventually falls off because the market changes or maybe somebody comes in and disrupts it. And these days, the unfortunate truth is it's not a matter of how good you are. Like, that's great. You're going to get more referrals. It's a matter of how good you are at marketing, how good you are at selling, how good you are at solving or positioning yourself as the ideal person to solve somebody's problems. And, you know, there's uh, the common phrase that, you know, work smarter, not harder. Well, the problem with that statement is that somebody can come along that's working smarter and working harder and completely disrupt what you're doing. So I think adopting technology is far less about what's working now and far more about being disruption proof. So when it comes to Marcom technology and when it comes to sales tech technology, the last 10 years, uh, the amount of products that exist out there for Mm -hmm. CRM, for software, for, you know, all kinds of things, it's just exploded. I I talked to somebody recently who studies things in like technology around sales and marketing. And they said that 10 years ago, there was like a hundred companies that she was really paying attention to. And now there's 1100 companies (laughs) product, you know, that are selling products into those fields. So it's exploded and the, and you know, it's just going to get more. So where do people start when it comes to technology? What do they need? Yeah. So I think the very first thing that anyone needs in their business is just a way to manage their contacts. I mean, really, even if it is as simple as a spreadsheet and a to-do list, right? Like that's totally okay. It's not a problem. Um, the, the issue here is that as business owners, just as human beings, we can only manage about 150 relationships in our lifetime closely, but every customer wants that feeling that you're there for them and you understand them and you're in their world, but we're limited biologically on that ability, no matter how good our intention is. So if you want to maximize the results in your business, the idea is to organize all of your contacts. And that's why this topic of a CRM, I think, has exploded over the last 10 years. And a CRM has almost always existed in the physical sense. It was filing cabinets and Rolodex, you know, and then eventually the address book. And then that kind of parlayed into the digital world of CRM as we know it. But I always say that, you know, business hasn't changed too much. Um, It's still about building relationships. It's just the medium has shifted. It's kind of like the difference between walking and swimming, you know. So the, the basic 
thing to have is a CRM, but there's so many other tools out there. What are some other tech tools that people should adopt? Yeah, I think right out of the gates, it's about whatever enriches your client experience, because the very first thing that you need to do to increase your ability to get booked more is to be easy to work with. So sure, you want to be able to automate some of your time as well. But what are tools that you can incorporate in your business that make your client's life as easy as possible? Things like calendar bookings to schedule with you or e-signatures or surveys that you can do pre and post event that make it effortless for the event planner to understand how things went and how can you go above and beyond in the sales process and the follow-up process and the post-sales process to make that client feel like you've done everything possible to make it as easy for them as possible. So there's a lot of speakers, myself included, who along the way have invested in technology only to not fully adopt it. Your tip was around adopt technology. You didn't say go buy technology. So so let's talk about how do we adopt these tools? I mean, it's one thing to pay for them and install them, but, but how do people yeah. work using a CRM or these other tools into their daily habits? The, the key word that you said there, Tom, was habit, right? And most often what we find is these started and failed attempts with systems because something comes in that's hot. People start getting it. All of your friends say, oh, you got to go try this thing out. And they go try the thing out. You put it on a shelf and then you repeat the process next year when something else comes, comes out, right? And the problem is that we don't often understand enough what that technology is really supposed to serve for us. And this is because really software companies have done us a disservice by not niching down. Um, they're all built very horizontally. And here's what I mean by that. A chiropractor, a doctor, a speaker in your local garbage company can all go pick up the same CRM and you're all expected to customize it to be reflective of your own business. That's assuming that you have a box for how to organize that product, how to structure that technology, how to actually use it, and you understand inherently its value. Most businesses don't operate that way. 96% of businesses don't make it to a million dollars a year. And the big reason is because we don't get access to this education about the way things should actually work. So what happens is we get started and the habit doesn't form because we don't know of the positive things to look for that are actually happening. So what that means is that we are less likely to continue implementing it. So the idea here is if you start with a technology, understand your why for using it and the outcomes that you want out of it, because the sooner you can identify those outcomes, just like anything in life, losing weight, becoming healthier, the sooner you identify how valuable that habit of using the technology really is for you. So identifying why we're using it. So let's talk some reasons why let's, let's talk to the person who is apprehensive about implementing these systems and this technology. What do they need to do? Come on. Let's go yeah. a little deeper. What do, you, what, what do you do with your problem child clients who, who need to do this and are stuck? Yeah, you basically have to pull on the pain. You have to be experiencing pain enough in your business. And sometimes it just starts with identifying it. Are you missing out on opportunities because you're not following it up enough? Are you losing time because you have to do things manually? Are you repeating things you've done over and over and over again, like recreate that slide deck for the hundredth time or recreate that contract for the hundredth time? And you're kind of stuck in the minutia. Most of the experts I talk to, like we're visionaries, we're creative. We don't want to be in the weeds managing all of this stuff. And you have two options hire it people or hire technology and if you can hire some technology you're going to save way more on the people that you're going to need to help run the business and elevate their positions to help you out even more so if your why truly is to run a lifestyle business be a visionary be a creative help and be as impactful as possible like i know every speaker wants to be 
the bottom line is you're going to need it in your business, especially as we move through these next few decades. So you don't have to name names, but clearly you've worked with some people where you've had successes. So what is the transformation for some clients that have been your, your biggest poster children for, hey, they implemented systems and their life changed? Sure. I think this comes in the form of a couple of things. We have this acronym that we always say at speaker flow, but it's just a breakdown of systems. We don't even know who to give credit to this. So if somebody knows, please let us know. Um, but systems breaks down as save yourself some time, energy, money, and stress. And so what we generally find is that people don't have time before they start working with us. They're generally pretty stressed out. Energy of course is low because of the things that you're not really wanting to do, but you have to do anyway. And money obviously can sometimes be a problem. So we can help alleviate all of that basically. And what we found is what people start out hesitant, apprehensive to the change basically. So we start small and introduce those, those things that are actually being impactful for them. So what can we automate right away? That's just going to eliminate 30 minutes every time they go and do something. Let's just give them a little taste of that. And then let's keep building on that and start introducing new systems, new ideas to help streamline their workflow. And then, Oh my gosh, wait, that automated task list is actually turning into revenue now. So what happens is they get some momentum behind them. And then by the end, the systems and adoption inside of their business is something they can't live without largely because of the time and the energy, the money and the stress. That So systems lead us to the other part of our topic today, which is sales. So if you have the systems, the idea is hopefully you're going to get more sales. But your second tip was embrace rejection. That's right. Let's talk about selling and let's talk about rejection. What do you mean by embrace rejection? That's right. So what I mean by that is often we have misconceptions about how things should behave in our business. So upon listening to that second tip, embrace rejection, like, oh, you must be saying that I'm just going to get told no a lot. Sure. But you also may be rejected in your own ideas. Um, You might think an email template works. You might think a way of contacting somebody works. You might think your latest keynote speech, as soon as you present it to somebody, people are going to pay that $10,000 fee the second they hear about it. Doesn't always work out that way. And I think what we find is that we're always looking for these different strategies to help us. These magic wands or these silver bullets. Like if I do this, this is going to be the outcome. And what happens is you end up piecemealing all these strategies that you get from a bunch of different people over time. And you never actually implement one fully. You never dedicate yourself to anything. And you don't give yourself enough time to iterate on what you've already done. Basically trying to find ways to make improvements on what you have there already and keep it as simple as possible. So what that means is, yes, you're going to be told no. Sales and marketing is a volume game. That's totally okay. We have to learn how to deal with that. But what you believe might be true and the way you think things might behave don't often and check out that way. So both adopting or, you know, embracing the rejection for the people that are going to tell you no, because it is a volume game, but also because your expectations might not be met all the time. And that's okay because an iterative process is meant to be that way. It means you're making progress. So don't think of it as a bad thing. Just think of it as one step further in the process. So I want to unpack what you're talking about and go for a little bit of clarity. So when we talk about rejection in sales, that's you call Mm -hmm. people and they say no, And you move on and call somebody else. So we're going to put that aside because I want to come back to that. But you're also talking about rejection of some of your preconceived notions, rejection of some of your preconceived ideas by the marketplace, which is different than a client saying, we already found somebody for our 2022 keynote. So let's talk about what you mean about rejection of of that level. I I don't think I understood. 
Yeah. So it's basically the rejection of like the messaging that you're trying to employ in your business. So let's say you have a really cool idea for a product. You launch a new course, right? They're very hot right now, membership site or something like that. You finally launch it. It doesn't sell, but you expected it to because it's, it's the best thing since sliced bread, of course. So why didn't it, it sell? Um, and so what happens in that case is you just need to be a student in that situation and say, how can I have done this better, basically? Or maybe you get on a phone call, a sales call, right? And it's not that they told you no, it just didn't go well. Like it just didn't stick for some reason. They really weren't even bridging the gap. It's not that they had any you know vendetta against me. They didn't just say, no, I don't want your stuff. They literally just didn't understand. Well, I thought they were going to understand because of the way I just communicated it. Like, why didn't you understand that? And we can take that personally sometimes, but really it's just a learning lesson. It's saying, okay, that messaging clearly didn't work for some reason. Or, wow, the second I said this, that person leaned in and went, I know, I, it's like you're inside of my head. So I'm going to document that, right? So the idea is you being a student and understanding that rejection really isn't a bad thing. It's really one step closer to learning what the real result is. So it's, it's if, if, a, if a concept or an idea you have isn't embraced, learn from it. That's right. All right. So let's go back to rejection of making sales calls. You make yeah. so many sales calls a day. So many people say no. You know, how do you, how do you ever embrace that? I mean, as, as a yeah. human, I want everybody to love me and hire me. How do sure. I deal with people are saying no or they're not returning my calls? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the answer to that is with systems. So I think, and it, let me let me clarify here. So often people think systems are technology, right? Or automation or, you know, it's a systematic thing. But often they can just be mechanisms for you to get your head right. A mindset change, right? So one system that we've used in sales, and I say we, myself and my founder, Austin, for our entire life when we grew up in sales, is this little framework. It's called SW3 equals N. It's an equation. It's SW3 to the third power equals N. And the idea is some will, some won't. So what next? And when you get rejected, it's like, oh God, that sucked. Because let's be honest, it does suck sometimes. Rejection does suck. And it's not that you ever get rejected and you're like, that's fine. And you move on very happily. It's just your, your relapse of being upset about it gets shortened with time. And you can use little mental exercises and systems like that to say, you know what? Some will, some won't. So what? Next. It's fine. And so you can have those mental checks with yourself. So a lot of it is grit, honestly doing it enough and experiencing what it's like, but also understanding that no often isn't just no. There's usually an underlying reason why it's no. There's a root cause that you get to identify and you'll get skilled at this with time, but you'll be able to identify that root cause, reframe your value to somebody, and then they'll be right on the path to buying from you again. Um, so it's about building up that grid and having those little systems in place to help you get through the day sometimes. So I love that saying, I actually wrote it down on a sticky and I've now got it sitting right here in front of me that says some will, some won't. So what? I like that. I like that. So Taylor, why speaker flow? Why did you start this business? Why did you pick, I mean, you weren't like, you know, a famous keynote speaker who said, follow me. Why did, why did you and, and your partner pick this industry? We picked this industry largely, I mean, honestly, because we stumbled into it and we fell in love with the type of people speakers are. Um, Austin and I both had sales experience. We grew sales team and our teams in our, in our past life. And we parted ways for a little while and they eventually started a digital marketing agency and a company had asked if they could white label our services for experts, coaches, consultants, speakers, and so on. And they wanted to sell our marketing services. So I thought, yeah, why not? Small business is small business, right? It's fine. It's digital faucet marketing is a mechanical process. 
that was a mistake because the very first thing I realized is that we're spoiled as a digital agency about who we get to work with, like roofers and home builders and cleaning companies. They all have a sales force. You know, our job is to generate leads, turn on the digital faucet. They convert the deals. They're happy. We, they keep us around for a while. And that's really how the business model works. Speakers were an entirely different animal, though, because they didn't have the business systems. We turned on the digital faucet, nothing happened. And we got to understanding why, and it was because of these systems, these foundational components. Then we got to working with speakers, and quite honestly, Tom, they're just our people. They're on a war path to make the world a better place. They want to have an impact. They are deeply passionate. They are aware. They're incredibly intelligent individuals. And it wasn't the same as working with the standard you know, uh, company that we got to work with in the agency. And when we found out that this was an area of need and we had the acumen to be able to provide support in this area, we just aligned our skill set with the types of people that we want to work with. And here we are. So you've been studying. How long ago did you start SpeakerFlow? We started SpeakerFlow now going on two years. This will be our second birthday here in a few months, two months. So you've spent a lot of time studying the business. So what Mm -hmm. are some of the, and then a year into it, COVID hit. What are some of the trends you're seeing in the speaker business? Yeah. So what I'm seeing from a, um, a hiring perspective is your clients want deep. They want more from you is what I'm seeing. They want expertise. They want to come back to you for advice. They want um, to solve problems. They want outcomes a lot of the time. Um, what I'm also seeing now is just this incredible adoption. And Tom, I think you're seeing the same thing, but this incredible adoption of virtual. It has changed the way each of us get to be accessible to people. It has changed the impact we get to have. That is not going away. Of course, we all miss live, but no matter what virtual virtual is here to stay. Um, and companies are more and more receptive to the value that they're receiving because of being virtual that allows and in, in never in our history in the speaking industry, have we had the ability to scale the way we get to do today and have it be uh, acceptable in the marketplace or not disruptive. So there's just so much potential out there right now for all of our businesses to grow because of the way we've been able to be accessible to companies that we previously haven't been accessible to. So what does the future hold for the speaking business? The future holds um, a lot of really interesting things. Um, there's this article that went out, I think, the, the early last year. I can find it for the show notes if you'd like. But it was comparing the events industry to the Napster moment of the early 2000s in the music industry. And um, I, can't, I, I can't agree with that more. Um, the way our technology is forming right now, I mean, think about the types of a virtual event software that we've all had to use, right? I think about the progress that's going to be made in that department over the next five years or so, right? The, the technology that's going to be at our fingertips to be able to deliver in different ways um, is going to continue to expand and is going to make you more accessible as an expert. But here's what the future also holds. The future holds more competition um, and more competition in ways that often people don't expect. So what I mean by that is we're often we're thinking of our competition as other experts like speakers, coaches, consultants, whatever it might be. We forget to think about influencers and people who have traction, connections, people online, social media, content creators. There's a new evolution of thought leadership and expertise coming out. um, And that opens up the room a lot for our industry to grow. Um, But that means you also need to stay on the on the cutting edge and be adaptable with your business over the next five to 10 years. All right. So in addition to the tips that we unpacked of adopt technology, embrace rejection, if someone was working with you, Mm -hmm. what would be Three more, like just rapid fire, go do this today advice that you would give a client. 
So what what are what are three things people should do as soon as they stop listening to Speakernomics to grow their business? The first thing is if you haven't done this already, stop treating your past clients as a reactive measure for reaching out when you don't have money. Make it a consistent thing. Once a quarter, touch base with everyone. Automate that task. Don't forget about it. Reconnect with your clients. You will double your income next year. Um, Have a standard process for reaching out to new leads. If somebody hits your email subscriber list or somebody comes through your contact form or maybe you find somebody you want to reach out to, standardize the way that you're going to reach out to them. If you can reach out once a week for five times, great. Just start there. Do that. And uh, the third thing is don't forget on your path for technology uh, that uh, this is all about building relationships. So go deep with your clients. Check in with them. Ask how they're doing. Ask your prospects how they're doing find ways to go beyond the keynote right from the very first conversation that you have with them and you will certainly transform your business so taylor if somebody wanted to find you or learn more about speakerflow where would they go speakerflow.com we are all over the place feel free to contact us in any which way you like of course across all the social media channels as well all right hey taylor Payne from speakerflow thank you so much for being here on speakernomics and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened we are having a great time we started this show the national speakers association along with me we started this show back in january Uh, i think we have had some great interviews today being one of them so make sure that you subscribe on apple itunes c-suite radio basically anywhere spot spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast love you're going to find speakernomics And then make sure you join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And always, always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.